Raging rivers, hungry bears, drastic avalanches, roaring seas. No matter how prepared you are, a walk in the woods can go from innocent to disastrous in the blink of an eye. When pushed to their breaking point, humans are capable of astonishing things, things they would have never thought possible. This is In the Wild. Locations like Yellowknife in northern Canada are stunningly beautiful. They are the sites of the indescribable northern lights, emitting vivid colors, bright shades of purple, green, and turquoise. These can be seen in the night sky over the birch and spruce trees, with the ground more often than not covered in a thick layer of snow. For a bush pilot like Martin Hartwell, though, the area also came with a unique set of obstacles in performing his job. During the late afternoon of November 8th, 1972, Hartwell was getting ready to take off in his twin-engined Beechcraft 18 for an Arctic Coast drill site when he was asked to make a charter flight down the coast for two Eskimo patients who needed to be taken to the nearest hospital in such a remote location. He was expected to fly a nurse by the name of Judy Hill, along with the patients, those being a pregnant woman named Nimi Nuliok and David Kutuk, a 14-year-old boy suffering a painful case of appendicitis and in need of medical care. Martin had an eerie feeling about flying them. The weather conditions were awful, with poor visibility, and he'd just flown five and a half hours under foggy conditions. He was extremely tired. Hartwell was also not an instrument-rated pilot, meaning he could not fly legally in clouds, rain, or fog. In addition to not being instrument-rated, it was also illegal in general for any pilot to fly passengers at night under the visual flight rules, though that law is often dismissed by pilots in the area where daylight only lasts three to six hours that time of year. Deep down, he wanted to decline flying but he began thinking about what other pilots might say. Bush pilots have a reputation for their toughness and don't let inconveniences like these get in their way. These patients were also in serious need of care and he had just started working for the biggest bush line in Canada. Additionally, he'd be earning some extra cash for flying those bonus miles. So he said yes and had them board the small plane. Although feeling a little uneasy, it was a short flight, so he thought that he'd be okay. Martin refueled the Beechcraft and took off at YCB Airfield at Cambridge Bay at 3.30 p.m. for the trek to Yellowknife. The flight was expected to be under two hours, and for the first hour, conditions were rough, but that was no surprise. Things took a turn for the worse when there was no light to be found. Flying in complete darkness with no sense of direction, he began to drift far west of where he intended. With no radio signal, he took the Beechcraft 18 down to 2,000 feet, but still heard nothing. Martin Hartwell panicked and spread a map out on his lap to read from an overhead light. A bad move, as he was now approaching high ground that he could not see, and his right wingtip got pinned to a tree sending the aircraft straight down 100 meters and crashing into Hoda Lake.
Hartwell was knocked unconscious by the accident and left with a broken nose, broken ankles, and a shattered knee. Nimi Nuliak, the pregnant woman, broke her back. 14-year-old David Kutuk miraculously only suffered minor injuries. Nurse Judy Hill, however, died immediately. As the night progressed, Nuliok started to suffer premature labor pains. Between her broken back and this, she couldn't make it, and died later that night. Her unborn daughter did not make it as well. A flight of four people was now down to two, pilot Martin Hartwell and 14-year-old Eskimoan boy David Kutuk. Regardless of David's appendicitis pains, Martin relied on the teen to keep them both alive, being unable to walk on his broken ankles or even crawl around much on his shattered knee. Kutuk was not a handy individual, but listened to Martin's instructions. He had David go out and find wood to make a fire, and using two sleeping bags and an engine cover, instructed him to build a makeshift teepee. This kept them from freezing to death in temperatures that would hit as low as 40 below zero. Hartwell also had two ration boxes on board, but could only find one as the other may have gotten destroyed in the violent crash. In addition to a hunting knife and snare wire in there, they had enough corned beef, freeze-dried potatoes, soup, rice, raisins, tea, and condiments to last them an entire week, if they split it up properly. That was. They melted snow for water and felt confident they'd survive, but were understandably shaken at the loss of the two women. Days turned into weeks, and they were long without any nourishment. Hartwell encouraged Kutuk to find a rabbit to eat or to try to ice fish. Meanwhile, a massive aerial search had been underway by members of the Canadian military for the lost individuals unaware of if they were alive or dead. With a now-broken emergency transmitter on Hartwell's plane, they had no idea where to search. After three long weeks with no sign of any of the lost individuals, the search was called off, and the military members felt there was little hope. This sparked the outrage of Susan Haley, the girlfriend of Hartwell, along with her family. Her father, Dr. Haley, a prominent academic, worked to lobby for a continued search mission, stating, you wouldn't stop a search for trapped miners until you were certain there was no hope. The men at this point were eating parts of trees with no other options. David smoked a pack of cigarettes he had found and talked of giving up to the disapproval of the pilot. You shouldn't be talking of dying, but of surviving, he told the boy. Hartwell started to take seriously the idea of them eating the dead passengers in order to survive, but David refused and vowed he wouldn't do such a thing. His stomach continued to be in serious pain, and according to Hartwell, at a certain point, David decided to die and laid down for three days doing nothing. After 23 long, strenuous days, David had died leaving Martin Hartwell on his own and with no way of getting around to possibly find any more food to live off of. Hartwell decided to do something that he had thought of in the days prior, but was talked out of by David, and ate flesh from the leg 
of Nurse Judy Hill in order to survive. Hartwell penned a letter to his son in Germany the day after David's death with a tone of certainty. When you receive this letter, I will be dead. I have had an accident on November 8th, 1972, and I am still laying in the bush with broken legs. Have no more food. Please forgive me for sins. I love you, my only son. In my heart, I was not all that bad. On December 8th, after an entire month stranded in the freezing cold, one week after the death of David, the crash site was finally located, and Martin would be rescued. He would walk with a limp for the rest of his life, and be haunted by nightmares as a result of PTSD from the crash and watching the two women and young men around him die. He also lived with the stigma of being a cannibal, despite having no other option for survival. To the surprise of many, though, he lived on to a very full life until April 4th of 2013, when he passed away at the age of 88. Nimi Nuliak is survived by her daughter Denise, now a grandmother herself, who remembers little of her mother and mourns the loss of her unborn sister due to the crash. She granted an interview to the Ottawa Citizens several years back discussing how her younger years were filled with anger over what happened, but that the anger has since faded, and she understands Pilot Hartwell doing his best to help under the wild circumstances. Not much can be found about the family of Nurse Judy Hill. David Kutuk, however, is celebrated as a national hero in Canada for his amazing efforts that kept Hartwell alive despite having no background in survival skills. 22 years after his death, his family was posthumously awarded the Meritorious Service Cross on his behalf, given to those for a deed or an activity that has been performed in an outstandingly professional manner or with uncommonly high standards. In 1998, the Northern Transportation Company named a ship after him. He is also revered in the song, The Martin Hartwell Story, documenting the event by the late Canadian folk artist, Stompin' Tom Connor. Davy Kutu died a saint and a credit to his people. Thank you for tuning in to another exciting installment of In the Wild. To hear more captivating stories of real-life survival, hit the subscribe button wherever you're listening and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Stay prepared, because you never know when you may find yourself in the wild.